0: But I've been really just uh, excited uh, for weeks, actually, about uh, this, this series or this journey that we're going to be going on, uh, which is going to be um, anchored in this book of the Bible called The Way Out, or uh, The Road Out, or better known as Exodus. But Exodus is just a, comes from the Greek word to mean the way out or, or the road out, so... So, Lord Jesus, thank you for being here, God. Thank you for your for your presence among us. Thank you for the stories that we've been hearing about your goodness. Thank you for the for the life that you are inviting us, that you're calling us into. Lord, thank you that uh, through your through your cross, through the cross, through the resurrection, through the life you lived, uh, Jesus, you save us. You save us from death. You save us from sin. You save us from guilt. And then you lead us, Lord, on a on a journey of uh, following you and encountering you and discovering uh, the more and more goodness of who you are. And we discover, Lord, as we as we draw nearer to you, that all good things are found in you. All good things come from you. Come from you, but Lord, we want to be a people who who are, who are not about the presence that you give, but your presence, Lord. So we thank you, Jesus. I pray your blessing, even on these uh, these words that I'm going to share this morning. And, and I pray your blessing on this, uh, on this journey as we go on it, Lord, that you would uh, speak your truth to each of us, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Exodus. So you might know the story. You might go, oh, I don't need to listen anymore. I've heard this story before. Um, so I'm just going to summarize it, and then I'm going to uh, put it straight to you. The Exodus, the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt, enslaved for hundreds of years. And then uh, God raises up a fellow by the name of Moses. Amazing story how he was raised up. And then Moses, uh, through a series of miraculous signs, uh, he confronts the king of Egypt and there's these miraculous signs. You might remember like the plagues and everything like that. And the king of Egypt, whose other name is Pharaoh, he finally relents and he's persuaded to let the people of Israel go. Let my people go is that phrase. Let my people go. and He finally does. Because the Egyptians are getting smashed and the Egyptian gods are getting smashed by the true God. So then the Israelites embark on this journey, and it takes a long time. How long does it take, Dave? 30 years. No, no. 40 long years. 40 long years. I thought you might know this. <laughs> it's just a It's a bit sensitive, eh? <laughs> but here's the thing. 40 years, and then they enter the promised land. So 40 is actually like a number, man. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a beginning. Anyway, so that's that's the kind of, a plot summary, that's sort of how you might imagine Exodus, slavery, uh, the plagues and everything like that, and this long journey 40 years through the desert until they get to the promised land. And sometimes when we think about it, we go, it's all about getting to the promised land. It just took so long, they were, the Israelites were a bit naughty and it took them a long time to get to the promised land, but it's all about getting to the promised land. And as I've been like thinking about this and reading it, it's like, it's, that's not quite the story. That's not quite what it's about. I feel the Lord uh, is impressing on me for us to press into this book. And I feel like the Lord is going to lead us on a journey, all of us on a journey, and we're going to learn from the Israelites. We're going to learn from Moses. We're going to learn from Aaron. We're going to learn from Miriam, Joshua, Caleb, all these different characters. And the Lord, I think, is calling us to be... Uh, His people, people of God, people of his presence, the people of his presence. Because this story, the book of Exodus, and maybe even the whole Bible is about becoming people of God's presence. People of his presence. Some of you uh, might have read my message in the CV News this week. And I'm just going to repeat it because, again, it's it's one that I think uh, is important. It has life on it. So I was writing about, uh, thinking about the, the presence of God in, in the Garden of Eden, right back at the beginning. And there's this, uh, this verse, and I said, is this the saddest verse in the whole Bible? So Adam and Eve, if you, if you know about them, Adam and Eve are in the garden. Hello, Lena. You're bringing your dog to sleep. <laughs> okay, nice. Adam and Eve are in this beautiful Garden of Eden. And the, the beauty of the Garden of Eden all came from God. They had this completely unhindered relationship with God, right? <laughs> So can you imagine, eh? Hey, like this perfect thing, and then the, we have the saddest verse in the in the Bible: Adam and Eve, Eve, they sin, they disobey God, they don't trust God, they don't trust the word of God, they don't, and so they so they sin, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and um, again, like there's there's lots that we can go into it, but what the the main thing is they rebelled against Him and then and then they felt then they felt shame and we have this verse in Genesis 3:8 and it says and they heard the sound of the Lord they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden it's so sad it's so sad They used to, like you read this verse and you go, oh, they must have like walked. They must have had this relationship with God where they they walked with him in the evening, like hanging out with God. And then they sinned and then because of their own shame and their own guilt, they hid from him. They hid from him. Like they used to have this uninhibited friendship with the creator, the source of life. Yahweh, who overflows with every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from Him in heaven. They used to live in the perfect presence of God and there was nothing between them. Like this perfection of life is so hard for us to imagine. It it tugs on our our heartstrings. Like it draws us. eh? It it goes, man, I I want to be there with God. And then because of their own shame, because of their own guilt, they hid themselves behind trees. Sometimes we read the story and we go, God separated them. God separated them from his presence, but that's not what this is. It says they hid themselves behind trees. They placed a barrier between themselves and his presence. And so the story that we enter into and the story of Exodus is a story of coming out or the way out, the road out, from in, in Eden, it's it's about coming out from behind trees. Uh, in Exodus, it's be, it's about coming out from slavery, but not just slavery to the Egyptians. They were enslaved by Egyptian gods, by idol worship, by all these things they relied on. Coming out from behind those things and coming into the presence of God. This is what I think the story is about. At the, and I wrote in the in the CV news that. You know, the Bible begins, the Genesis begins with the presence of God and, and uh, Adam and Eve dwelling in the presence of God. And then the story will end similarly, <laughs> did I say that right, similarly, similarly, in the presence of God. It says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God, right? This is the story of God. The presence, it's all about the presence of God, his presence. And, uh, and I, I am sort of like emphasizing this, but all of the good things that we want, all actually come from God, come from his presence. So we sometimes talk about uh, Eden, and you might have heard a phrase like getting back to Eden or something like that. We want to be in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. They had, it was beautiful. They could do anything, right? Except for one thing, they could do anything. What a great place to be! But the goodness of Eden uh, was not Eden itself. It was it was from God. It was from God. So it was like the goodness of Eden came from the presence of God. And then for the Israelites, the goodness of the promised land, the goodness of this land that they were hoping for, it was, it was from God. It was from God. It was from God's presence. And for us, we often talk about the kingdom of God. And, and it's this kingdom that we, that we hope for and we long for, and we go, God, would you, would you uh, bring, would you let us taste your, your future kingdom today? And we pray for people for, for healing or for new jobs or for uh, restoration of relationships or whatever it is. Let us taste your kingdom today. But the goodness is from God, it's from His presence. The kingdom of God is about God. It's from one source. The goodness comes from one source. It comes from one place. It comes from one person, God. And this is, I think this is really important for us to capture because sometimes we can have our sights set on something in the future and, and not realizing that actually we can encounter the presence of God today, this morning, and that's the goodness. That's the goodness. Um, before Exodus, I wrote down here. So I was writing this last night. Before I wrote down, before Exodus. So right at the end of a book called The Beginning, which is Genesis. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to kind of give all of a, a summary of the whole book, but it finishes off with Joseph. And uh, Joseph is, if you remember the story, he's he's in Egypt, and then uh, he saves his whole family. That's uh, um, Israel. Sorry, Jacob. Same person. Jacob who became Israel. And then um, Jacob, Israel, and the sons all come into Egypt. And then Joseph, he's dying. And then he prophesies. And he says to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you. Um, The first thing he says, God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, God will surely visit you and carry up my bones from here. So he says it twice, God will visit you, God will visit you. The emphasis is on the visitation of God, I think. And I think this is what God, the Exodus is all about. God visiting his people. God finding a way to dwell in the middle of them, to dwell in the midst of them. And in order to dwell with them, he had to take them out from, from Egypt. He had to lead them out from slavery in Egypt. He had to take them into the into the desert. He uh, ended up meeting with them at the same place as he met with, with Moses on his own. In order to dwell with them. He heard the cries of the suffering Israelites. And it says, he heard their cries and he knew. This is Genesis 2, 23 to 25. It says, during those days... During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So then we, uh, and as we're going to, this is what I hope, one of the things that I hope we'll discover as we journey through this book is that even though they have been set free from Egypt physically and miraculously, incredibly, they still seem to be enslaved. They still seem to be enslaved. They constantly grumble against Moses and they break covenant with the Lord and they worship idols and they and even mount rebellions. And then there's, this, there's a scene where they refuse to come near to the presence of God. They actually say no. Send Moses up. And it's as though through this whole thing, they're still hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord, just as Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord in the Garden of Eden. So even though they were set free from slavery, set free from this place of bondage and uh, difficulty, suffering, they're, they're still not free. And it's like they're not actually allowing themselves to be free because they're not they're not coming into into that place of uh, vulnerability before God before the before the Lord. True freedom, true freedom—the freedom that we long for, that we sometimes dream about—is it comes from being in the presence of God. And so the Lord has must been impressing on me, impressing on me, over and over, to keep pressing in to his presence and I'm just going to finish with this actually how's that for the shortest preach I've ever done because we have this scene, I love Exodus, you can just, I'm just jumping around all over the place, this is like, just like throwing out a whole lot of, whole lot of crumbs and I, then I hope you kind of like, you feel your spirit's kind of getting getting excited by this and I hope that um, even after today that you might open up the book of Exodus and you might begin reading it and you might begin like um, reading it in a different light, going okay, what is it that, about the presence of the Lord that, um, that stands out in, in this book? And we pray that uh, the Lord would reveal more of his truth to us. This book, just as a side note, understanding this book uh, of Exodus and the books around it, the rest of the books of of the Torah, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, helps us to understand the rest of the Bible, all of the, all of the Bible, including the New Testament, helps us to understand what Jesus did and what Jesus is going to do. Helps us to understand what uh, the, uh, the, the letters in the New Testament are about. It helps us to understand revelation, understanding this book. So I think we can just go into that and, and humbly go, Lord, I thought I knew it. I thought I knew the story, but actually I, I don't know it very well at all. That's how I've been feeling. So anyway, this this passage I'm just going to finish with. They, uh, the Israelites they have encountered God from a distance at Mount Sinai. The Lord has given them, uh, made a covenant with them. Uh, you know, don't uh, worship idols, <laughs> honour your father and your mother. Oops, uh, don't murder, <laughs> things like that. And the Israelites said, "Yeah, yeah, we can do all that." And then so, then so Moses ends up on the top of the mountain to meet with the Lord again, to sort of like, um, you know, make it, all, um, make it all happen, make it all legal. And then uh, and he's away for a little bit too long, because 40 days, it's a long, long time. And while he's up on the mountain for 40 days, the Israelites decide, actually, he's taking too long. He's taking too long. And so they, um, they break the first few commandments, and they make an idol, and they worship that idol. And then, uh, so Moses comes down from the from the mountain with these two tablets that the I think it's two actually. Does it say two? Sometimes it's sometimes movies get into our minds and it's not actually what it says. It is two. Okay, comes down the mountain with the tablets that God Himself has given him. God gave him the tablets, wrote His words on the tablets. Moses sees the idol worship. He's going, "What the flip, Aaron? What are you done here?" Smashes the tablets. They've broken covenant, right? So the tablets don't mean much. And then, uh, but then, but then, out of like Moses's love for the people, he intercedes for them. Uh, God d- doesn't destroy them. And so we have this like crazy scene. And the Lord says, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna destroy this people, but my presence, um, that's not gonna go with you anymore." And then Moses says, "This is verse uh, chapter 33." Should I just read the whole thing? Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and and you've also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. I love that. It's your people. And he said, and he said, this is God, right? He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I will give you shalom. Shalom comes from his presence. And he said to him, He, this is now Moses, said to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us that we are distinct? I and your people, and every other people on the face of the earth. What makes us distinct, church? <laughs> what makes us distinct? The presence of God, dwelling in the presence of God, encountering the presence of God. And then the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have now, that you have spoken, I will do for you, have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Speaking of names, just during worship I was thinking of, I had a couple of conversations, Amber Jane and Marilyn and about names. And I just feel like the Lord just was reminding me that He that He has named you and His name for you is perfect. His name is a, a name of a destiny and identity. So don't worry about the middle name but look for His name. His name upon you. The Lord said, I know you by name. He knows you by name, Marilyn and Amber Jane. Moses said, please show me your glory and he said, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. We're going to get into the name of the Lord in a couple of weeks. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. for For man shall not see me and live. And then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of a rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by, and then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Hey. (laughs) I feel like the Lord is leading us. We've always been a church of the Lord's presence. This is not something new. This is not something new. This, this church was uh, a church of God's presence when it was mum and dad meeting in our lounge, just the two of them. Where two or three gathered, I am there in their in the midst, Jesus said. So when it was mum and dad, they were in the presence of God. It was sparked by the presence of God. And so it's like, the, maybe for, maybe for our generation or our time today, we're going to be embarking on this journey. We are embarking. The Lord's already doing it. We're embarking on this journey of, of discovering uh, the importance, uh, the preciousness, the value of the presence of God. More important than anything else. More worthy of anything else. All of our attention. Because it's in his presence that, that all of our needs are eventually that, that are met. We can come out of, come out of hiding and, and discover true freedom. The songs we sing about, that we're in his presence, shame, gone. In his presence, guilt, gone. The overflow of his presence, healing, uh, financial provision, (laughs) security, you name it, deliverance. The breaking of chains, things that have held us back for years. The stories we've told ourselves from when we were young. The stories that our parents had told us. You know, lies I'm talking about. And then we encounter his presence. And then in a moment, hey, in a moment, those things can be dealt with, are dealt with. Because it's the overflow of his goodness. <laughs> it's the overflow of the Lord's heart. So do you want to join me on, the, on this journey? And like humbly go, Lord, would you, would you lead us on this journey? Would you help us to discover your presence? Because that's where we're going to be going. (laughs) Well, that's all I got. So let's stand. (laughs) I feel like kind of the Lord saying, uh, tell them that they don't need to strive. You don't need to you don't need to work work yourself harder. He's inviting us. I feel like he's saying, I'm in, I'm inviting you to come and take those steps towards me. If it's like if you're willing if you're willing to make yourself vulnerable. If you're willing to humbly take off your shoes and step towards me, then I'll meet you in that place. Thank you, Lord, for your presence.